This is the Fighting Irish Faithful Podcast, a podcast that's independent, just like Notre Dame football. Thank you, everyone, for joining me this third week of Advent, the week of Gaudete, a week of great joy. Marcus Freeman is our head coach. We are in the Freeman era. Tonight, we explore Catholics versus Cowboys, the upcoming Fiesta Bowl. We're going to start really zoomed out this week. And then week by week as we approach Christmas, as we approach the new year and Notre Dame's big game, we will dive deeper and deeper. But tonight, explore the latest news in Notre Dame football. So stay with us, pour yourself a drink, and let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walsh looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is bent down. Dawson throws over the receiver in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame! Somehow, the Irish did it! Out of the pack, 30, 35, goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, five-five rocket touchdown, Irish! Zimikowski looking for a block. Touch to the right to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45, 50. Up to the 45, 40, 30, one man to beat, 20, 15, 10. He's done to the five. Touchdown, Irish! What's going on, Fighting Irish Faithful? Thank you for joining me today, the third week of Advent. If you didn't wear pink or rose at Mass, that's okay, because I didn't either. Uh, I don't think I own a whole lot of that. Welcome to the Fighting Irish Faithful show, a podcast with great joy right now. It's the new era. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say I'm short on content, but uh, this is kind of a new uh, territory for me where I'm not complaining about Brian Kelly every week. Uh, but hey, let's get right into it. Thank you for joining me. This is episode 46, volume 46. Uh, can't believe it's now my favorite number of shows. You can find me on Twitter at faithful underscore Irish, fighting Irish faithful on YouTube. And now, drum roll. We now are selling gear. Get your Fighting Irish Faithful podcast gear if you so wish, or if you've procrastinated and have not purchased Christmas presents yet. We have just show gear, and then also uh, of my design, kind of a play on words here. should be very familiar to you all, Uh, but we are making Catholics versus Cowboys shirts. The show will be linked in the description below if you're on YouTube or just go to Etsy and type in Fighting Irish Faithful or Catholics versus Cowboys and stuff will come up. So enough of the shameless selfless plug since I'm not sponsored and quite frankly, I just wanted to make show gear. And if some of you want to purchase it, by all means, uh, fantastic. So thank you very much for your support in advance. Now, I have to start with the Twitter shout-out this week. Half shout-out goes out to West Coast Irish. He was the first uh, person to make a purchase, even before myself, which is kind of weird. Uh, But uh, he is not the the shout-out. It's actually uh, to another individual on Twitter. So before Thanksgiving, right as college basketball is kicking off, uh, if you don't know anything about me, I went to Gonzaga. That's where I met the doc, right? And... uh, We won't talk too much about how Gonzaga's kind of lost two games recently. But uh, I made a bet on Twitter with at Stevie Douglas 12. Uh, 
and uh, I lost the bet. Gonzaga did lose to Duke, and the 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 bet was originally going to be five dollars, but we uh, decided on the winner would have to buy a shirt from the store. So I lost, and so Stevie Douglas twelve, you are getting your shirt. It is added to cart, uh, color of uh of your choosing actually it's of my choosing so uh you are getting a free shirt of the fighting irish faithful show uh to be determined color uh will be in the mail it'll be like a christmas surprise or if you don't like it you can just do yard work but if you're doing yard work and people drive by they'll see the podcast and the show and hey self-promotion okay so to you sir shante so the biggest news this week, other than Marcus Freeman just tearing it up on the recruiting trail, we have got, uh, shouldn't really be no surprise, uh, although it is a little bit, but we'll get into this. Kyle Hamilton will not be playing in the Fiesta Bowl as officially announced. He is now out for the season, declared for the NFL draft. And also Kyron Williams, uh, our star running back, is also not going. We'll get into some of the details here in a few minutes of kind of the the holes those two guys leave in our team as we go into this very important bowl game. Um, I won't lie. I'm, I am disappointed to hear this. Uh, I appreciate both of these guys, their contribution, their leadership, the uh, spark they bring to the team. Kyle Hamilton is my favorite player. Not only does he wear number 14, which is my favorite football number, but the amount of energy that he brought just as a freshman, his ability to tackle, he had a nose for the ball. He still to this day, despite only playing seven games, has the more more interceptions than anyone else on our team so far individually. So Kyle Hamilton tweaks his knee or whatnot and earlier in the year and he's now not playing and it's he's kind of been on the fence and you know Notre Dame is towing this line of well we really want what's best for his health and some of this other stuff and you know all of us on Twitter have just been like well he's probably just saving himself of the NFL uh, all sorts of comments about Jalen Smith and what happened to him in 2015 now he was drafted in the second round um by the cowboys um but he basically had to sit out for a year and it probably hurt his draft stock um okay look there's two ways to go about this one one we'll 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 talk negative and then we'll go to positive negative i don't like this all right The, the biggest thing i don't like is to is notre dame is putting all this propaganda and they have been putting this propaganda out there about graduating champions these guys are not seniors, um, and they will they will be leaving early. I, I don't think Kyron Williams will, but definitely Kyle Hamilton will not. They are student-athletes first, and then they may go to the pros. So, and, and this is what makes Notre Dame special versus, say, in Alabama or Florida or Georgia or whatever, even USC. I would like to think that a lot of Notre Dame fans take pride in the fact that their players are also excelling in the classroom or at least trying to and you know will make a contribution to society certainly that is what marcus freeman is communicating to the new recruits 
that as he's out there. You know, Notre Dame will set you up for life and whatnot. And then when you see this kind of thing happen with the players, I won't lie, it looks a little contradictory where Notre Dame is saying, hey, we're going to graduate champions, and it's a 40-year decision, not a four-year decision. And then these guys leave early and they don't graduate. Now, yes, they can come back after their NFL career, get their degree and whatnot, and go forward. But look... Again, it's just kind of contradictory. You know, are they are they selling it as, hey, play for three years, then go to the NFL, then come back and graduate, or, you know, graduate right off the bat and then go to the NFL? I don't know. I'm not a student there, and I'm not faced with this important decision. The next piece I don't like about this is both of these guys are captains, what does that say when two of your captains, two of your best players from a, a stat sheet standpoint are supposed to be leaders of the team, supposed to be setting the standard, setting the expectation, and they are essentially stepping away from the team voluntarily because they're pursuing their self-interests. I'm not going to say they're being selfish because I'm not going to say that, but when you are a leader the best leaders I've ever met and something I personally try to do is live by example. If you are a captain of the university of Notre Dame football team, you are setting the standard. If you are two players that are leaving early, what is the standard you are setting? You are setting a standard of, you know, pursue your football career and and let's not, you know, kid ourselves, this is really why they're there. That is why they went to Notre Dame for football. So I, I don't want to muddy the waters here and, you know, get on my high horse here about academics first, you know, even though as much as I'd like to believe that. But let's face it, these guys are there for football. But when your captains depart, two of your, you know, leaders, strong leaders are leaving, I really don't like that. I kind of wonder now from an you know, administrative standpoint, what does this do? Do these guys now forfeit their scholarship? Do they still attend classes? Most likely not. They're probably, I'm sure the NCAA has some rules that they can't be, you know, with the team. They're certainly not practicing and things of that nature. And quite frankly, why would you want to? Because you want, if you're Kyron Williams, right, you don't want him getting any of the reps with any of the players maybe he's like a coach on the sidelines kind of situation and maybe that kind of stuff is happening so they'll be like like grad assistants essentially supporting with drills and the players but they're not actually supporting and taking reps like logan dig should or estimate or tyree okay i really hope that's the situation but when this first came out with hamilton and hamilton you know, got injured and, and there was all this kind of, well, is he going to play? Is he going to come back for the bowl game? I don't know. But a lot of people were saying basically he's done. And it deep down in my heart, I thought that was going to be the case as well. Multiple players have left early. You know, Golden Tate left early. Michael Floyd left early. Jimmy Clausen left early. Multiple guys did not get their degree. Jerome Bettis, an excellent example, who came back and got his degree fairly recently, actually, years, decades after, you know, being in the NFL and whatnot. So, look, am I surprised this happened? No. Do I like that this happened? No, because honestly, Notre Dame 
is as a football team is better with both of these players. Selfishly, look, I, I don't care about the NFL. I really don't. I'll watch the Super Bowl and I'll, if the game's on or whatever, you know, but I have no idea who won, you know, this week, you know, and pick a team, right? I really don't know if they won. I don't pay attention to it. It's not because I don't like the NFL. No, my time is valuable. I spend it doing this podcast. I got a baby. I got a wife. I have a career. I have other shit to do around my house. Okay. And quite frankly, my time is limited. I give a lot of eyeball time, a lot of attention to Notre Dame because that is where my passions are. I cut out things that do not give me great joy. The NFL is fun. I like watching it, but it does not give me joy. So therefore, I don't pursue it. And that's kind of been my MO the last few years and I'm happier because of it so when these guys leave for the NFL sure I'm curious how high they get drafted and sure I wish them success but when they leave Notre Dame I don't see them ever again all right so okay rant over I don't care about the NFL it has been established but one thing I will say that is kind of a positive if I may, is these guys will probably have very good careers. They are in a position right now to go off and make six-figure incomes at least, you know, on a practice squad or even millions of dollars if you get drafted high and you get serious playing time. And, you know, then there's bonuses and perks and, and you get to pursue your passion, right? These guys, their passion is playing football. They clearly have the God-given ability to do it. And, I think of the positive of, well, look, they were at Notre Dame. They were being molded in a good way, all right? And it is very possible that they can use their experience at Notre Dame, use that influence to better the community when they leave, when they're out, they start a nonprofit, or they work for, for a corporation or whatever they end up doing with their life. I truly hope it is in service to others promoting general welfare and wellness in their community. And as someone who has a mortgage and a full-time job and a car payment and stuff, I can appreciate having, you know, some sort of nest egg that sort of sets you up in the right path. Go back, finish your degree, go and do these other things. So from a pure dollars and cents, it's probably the right business decision. But selfishly, I don't want that because I get more joy personally watching them play football. So Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, I do wish you good luck in the NFL. Wish you luck in the draft. Um, I really wish you were on our sideline and in uniform, running out of the tunnel in the Fiesta Bowl to beat the shit out of Oklahoma State. Uh, I really want this bowl win. We'll talk more about that in the, in the, tonight and in the coming weeks. Um, we're a better team with both of you guys. You have given me great joy to watch, especially Kyle Hamilton, my favorite player. Now, Kyron Williams, there is production that is lost, obviously, from him. And I wanted to look at what is the hole that he creates by making this decision. And... The same thing with Kyle Hamilton. Now, Kyron Williams so far has over a thousand yards. He has 204 attempts running the football. That's 47% of all of Notre Dame's attempts for the season on the ground. He averages about 17 rushes per game. 
out of the team's total of about 36 rushing attempts. He has 14 rushing touchdowns, and the team as a total has 23. He has 14. The next guys go as follows. Buckner has three. Diggs has three. Cone has two, which is surprising. And Tyree only has one. Now, that does not include Tyree's kickoff uh, return against Wisconsin. So 14 touchdowns just left the building of the Goog here. And now we're looking around and say, hey, who can run the ball? And it's not Cone, I can tell you that. But if we look also at the attempts, uh, rushing attempts, Kyron Williams had 17 per game. Buckner averages 4.6, Tyree 4.6, Diggs 6.1, and Cone 4.4, which is really surprising. Now, we don't want Cone running the ball. He actually has right now for a total of minus 96 yards on the season. So very Tommy Reese-esque of, you know, stand there and get sacked. Although Reese was way better as a player of just throwing it out of bounds to avoid the sack. Um, We're not going to look at how many times Cone has been sacked versus Reese because I guarantee it's not even close. Reese was very good about avoiding uh, being tackled like that. So there's, there's a huge hole here because my concern now is, all right, what's Reese going to do? Now, maybe he doesn't have the shackles of BK now that BK is gone and doing weird, you know, just weird dances at LSU and a circular room and a stage and a recruit or a backup. I, I don't even know who that other guy was, but go on Twitter. There's some weird Brian Kelly videos of him spinning in a circle with uh which sucks because that's my favorite garth brooks song of all time so i'm kind of pissed that lsu is pissing on my favorite garth brooks song colin baton rouge and kelly's now i got this image of kelly like twisting his hips and uh vomit oh gosh anyway enough of that my concern here is with kyron williams departing now with this void of running back Are we going to figure out the rotation? Are we going to be playing running back roulette? If you go back a few years ago, especially in 2014, Grant, this was under Kelly, and we didn't even know really who our offensive coordinator was. But it was like one series we're going to put, you know, Greg Bryant in. And then the next series we're going to put Tarion Folston. And then the next series we're going to put Cam McDaniel in. And then it that it would just repeat, you know, every series. And it's like, how do you create rhythm? You know, how do you find the hot hand? How do you figure out, you know, the scheme and what package you're in? You know, I, I don't like that. And I really hope that that is not what Reese does here with the running back situation. I really hope that we get together and we put together packages for this guy. Tyree, what are your strengths? Diggs, your strength is clearly doing Dukes of Hazard hood slides and hurdling people. All right. Estime, you are just like just mad Mac trucking people. Just get this guy on a blast or a trap. Just right down the middle. Put him in at fullback for crying out loud. This is this is what I want. I want Buckner under center, Estime as fullback, or Bo Bauer. We can have the hockey skate package still. And then Tyree and digs behind him like in a split back i mean that would be really powerful that's just 
you know, my sick dream here of running the football. But I would prefer that Reese uses these guys in packages, set plays for certain down and distance situations, say, hey, we're we're gonna do the the 60 cheetah package or whatever it is, okay? And that's Tyree because he's as fast as a fucking cheetah, especially on kickoffs, all right? So that's the kind of stuff we need, all right? We need to spread the field, you put this guy in. You want to pound someone, you got to put this guy in, right? Whoever's good at pass blocking, put him in, all right? We know Kyron Williams is really good at pass blocking. Who's the next guy? I don't know because Kyron Williams was getting way more attempts and way more field time than anyone else, so... To be determined, but these are the concerns I have going in and the hole that Kyron Williams, you know, has created essentially. Now, Kyle Hamilton, the void that he creates, it's it's there, but it's not as bad. And I think a lot of it is because he only played for seven games, not seven complete games, but seven games. And but in that time, his production was quite remarkable. He had three interceptions, and there should be one more on there, but he has three out of the 15 total our team has gotten, but three in seven games. That's really, really good, all right? Uh, We've also got, you know, Jack Kaiser has two. Uh, DJ Brown also has three, but he has three over the whole 12 games, okay? And Kaiser, his two are both pick sixes, so good on you sir now tackles kyle hamilton averaged 4.86 per game now it's not the best as far as average per game that goes to jd bertrand bertrand has got 7.67 tackles per game it's it's quite quite good and he has 92 total on the season kyle hamilton is sitting around 13 15th ranked in the on the team for total tackles but he had 34 so when he when he got hurt so uh you know there's less of an impact um you know but the last five games the defense has looked really good you know shutting out opponents holding navy to a low low amount you know beating up on stanford and chopping down the trees all that good stuff the defense is still excelling they're still on the up and up and though kyle hamilton I obviously would love him to be there. I really think that his departure, though, is felt. I think the defense has coped, and we've seen what the defense looks like without Kyle Hamilton. The offense we haven't really seen without, you know, Kyron Williams, and that is a concern of mine. So one thing I think that also plays into this is the fact that Notre Dame is going to the Fiesta Bowl. I would be very curious on what this decision would have been for both Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams if Notre Dame had made the playoffs. If the committee had decided to put Notre Dame in or if Alabama had lost or Michigan had lost or whatever one of these other situations that I talked about the last show would have happened that would have put Notre Dame into the playoffs go back to last week's episode where i discussed this but i predicted we weren't going to make the playoffs and here we are but kyle hamilton kyron williams would they have stayed and played if notre dame was ranked fourth 
and playing the number one team in the country. And we would have been in a position to go to the playoffs to compete for a national championship if we had won that first game. Clearly, both of those players would have helped in that endeavor. But now that we're not in the playoffs, we are in a New Year's Six Bowl. Makes Fighting Irish Faithful podcast very happy. But let's face it, we can't put the Fiesta Bowl on the yellow sign. We can't do that. So I kind of wonder if the playoff committee, the fact that the playoff situation in college football is still the most exclusive playoff postseason in all of sports, all of professional sports, etc. It is the most exclusive situation out there. And if Notre Dame was in the playoffs, would both of these guys have been there? Maybe. I don't know. That's a, dis- a question only they can answer. Okay. And I you know, I highly doubt they'll come out and say, oh, yeah, if we were in the playoffs and we were going to the Orange Bowl, oh, yeah, we'd totally be there. But and eh, the Fiesta Bowl, eh, we're not going to be there. I really don't think they would ever say that. I think they have too much class and, and too much integrity to really be that honest, you know. But is this really college football's fault for this? I mean, we're totally late to the game as far as playoffs and anything of that nature anyway. But does this make a further case for playoff expansion. I mean, let's face it. Coaches are being fired before the end of the season. Uh, These bowl games, do they really mean anything? I mean, there's a lot of money thrown into it. I mean, if you ever want to know how much money is involved in these bowl games, go to Wikipedia. I mean, it's not hard to figure out. The purse uh, for the winner and the loser, like you go to a bowl game, it's very, very profitable. I think like the teams get $35 million. I don't know if they split that or they each get that, but for going to the Rose bowl, I mean, shit, Ohio state's going to get, you know, at least 15 plus million dollars just for playing in the Rose bowl, maybe up to the 30. I don't know, but that's a shit ton of money. And maybe that's what's wrong with college sports right now. There's too much money. But if the playoffs were eight teams, the playoffs were 12 teams. Would these guys be there? Would more players in any any school, I don't care which one it is, would more players stay and finish out the year, play in the bowl game if the playoffs had more teams, if you had an eight-team playoff, a 12-team playoff with a first-round bye? I don't know. I really think that would, clearly Notre Dame would be in the last two years, two, three years, right? Um, especially if it was a 12-team. In 2019, I think we were ranked ninth or 11th or something like that at the end of the season um and we finished the year 11 and 2 we would have made the the, 12 team playoff in that scenario so hey look notre dame has been on the up and up the last few years um why not you know it allows the sleepers it allows you know a non-power five team some team could get hot right at the end of the year and just start banging it out right i don't know you know the bcs was terrible Again, just a a food for thought. If there were more teams in the playoffs, would our guys still be playing? I don't know, but something to think about. But our Fiesta Bowl game against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, Catholics versus Cowboys. It is 19 days away. Now, by the time y'all are hearing this, maybe I shouldn't say y'all because it sounds way too Oklahoma-y. But Oklahoma State uh, is... 18 days away 
And no, I am not going. Um, did give it some serious consideration, though. You know, looked at, okay, what would tickets be? What would airfare be from Indianapolis? Hotel, all right, Uber, you know, food and, you know, some tasty beverages, etc. Um, did seriously consider going to the game, but decided no. Um, got a baby at home. Um, it's it's pretty expensive to fly, and it would just be myself. We're not going to put the baby and not going to take the baby to Phoenix, right? Uh, so, and I'd have to leave the dock at home with the baby on New Year's Eve, and all. So, no, I mean, if now if Notre Dame was in the playoffs and something like that, it's a little different story. So maybe you know, <laughs> the fact that it's the Fiesta Bowl and not the playoffs, you know, hey, you know, here we are. So. But so I won't be there, but we will be there in spirit. But if you are going and you want to represent me, by all means, get some Fighting Irish Faithful podcast gear to wear. Or you can get a Catholics versus Cowboys shirt and wear that. Or, hey, we'll just walk around the uh, parking lot and sell it, upcharge it, and maybe you can make some money. So maybe I should get a street team out there in, uh, in what was it, Tempe, Tempe, Arizona? But I wanted to look back at Notre Dame's uh, last time we were at Fiesta Bowls. And, uh, yeah, it's not not a very uh, fun uh, environment to do. Now, first, what have I been talking about here for, I think, the inception of this show? Our last big major bowl win was the Cotton Bowl, January 1st of 1994. That is the end of the, 90, the great 93 season, the last time Notre Dame did win a bowl that was worth a damn. But the last time Notre Dame won the Fiesta Bowl was 1988, our national championship year. Since then, we have been to four Fiesta Bowls and lost all four by large margins. 2015 to Ohio State, 2005 with Charlie Weiss to Ohio State, 2000 to Oregon State. I remember that very clearly. It was not fun. And 1994 the 1994 season, so it would have been January 1st of 1995 versus Colorado. Four Fiesta Bowls in a row since our national championship have been losses, and they have not been close losses at all. So Marcus Freeman is in a position, as I've said, to right many wrongs, and especially right many wrongs in the great state of Arizona. But... uh, Oklahoma State is not without some struggles as well. Their uh, defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, is departing. And he is one of the reasons for Oklahoma State's success this season. I haven't, I've started to look at some of the numbers comparing Notre Dame to Oklahoma State side by side. We will do that next week, I promise. Um, But he is, Oklahoma State's defense is very good. Okay, their tackles for loss is good. Their scoring defense is is really good, things of that nature. But he just got $1.9 million to be the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Now, what's interesting about this is, though we won't see him this week, most likely, or this, this year for the bowl game, we will see that scheme, of course. But we will also see that scheme in the horseshoe when we play Ohio State next season for our first game. So... You know, we're not facing Jim Knowles on January 1st, but we're going to face him in September 
of 2022. So delayed nine months there. It's kind of like pregnancy. Okay. But there's also a rumor floating out there, and I don't know how much credence and you know reality there is to this, but Mike Gundy, there is a rumor that he will take the Florida job. Now, I have no... You know, this is very TMZ of me. Maybe this is probably fake news. I don't know. But will Mike Gundy depart Oklahoma State? Now, my guess is maybe not because he's been there for many, many years. And we'll talk about that more next week. And he's won a New Year's Six out of Oklahoma State, something Kelly never has done or did when he was at Notre Dame or even his whole career, which makes it very baffling that LSU hires someone who's never won a major bowl game. Hmm. Things that make you go, huh? But uh, yeah, we'll see if if Gundy leaves uh, Oklahoma State, but my guess is not. I think he's going to stay in Stillwater. But Notre Dame, two and a half point favorite, and uh, we're preparing for them. We've got three weeks. We've got this week. This is part one. Next week, part two, very numbers and stat heavy. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the last week leading up, but we are preparing. I've already, uh, this is how prepared I am. I already know that I'm going to do Irish car bombs and wear a Jameson scarf in the process and yell some stuff and post it on Twitter before the game. I already know about that. I don't know about my podcast, though, two weeks from now leading up to the game right after Christmas. Okay, so uh, we're, we're going to figure this out as we go. Now, other slight news, and we'll get to the toast here. It relates to basketball at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, It was really great to see Notre Dame beat Kentucky. Now, I don't really hate Kentucky, but I hate Calipari. That son of a bitch is like the Pete Carroll of basketball coaches for me. I I do not like him. I didn't like him at Memphis. I don't like him at Kentucky. I don't think he supports his players at all. Uh, He just wants to use them for you know, to try to get the hot names and that's, I, I don't like Calipari. So anytime anyone beats Kentucky or really just beats Calipari, good. So Notre Dame wins a uh, huge slam dunk at the end in Percival Pavilion, beating the number 10 team in the country. Students rush the, the court. Love it. So go Irish beat Wildcats. And then Purdue, <laughs> Purdue was number one in the country for like a week not even that like a day and they go to Rutgers and lose uh, go, check my check my Twitter timeline I posted a couple videos of of uh, Rutgers rushing the court a huge buzzer beater kind of win for them uh, unranked Rutgers beats number one Purdue so Purdue it was fun seeing you at number one for a couple days and I was getting shit at work from someone who's a Purdue guy he's a douchebag um <laughs> I, I, I bit my tongue. I was like, I don't have to say Jack because you're hiding your head like a like a fucking... All right. <laughs> so, yeah, many teams have been number one. And Purdue, oh, good job on your number one. Get to a title game and then we'll talk, all right? And no, no Gonzaga hasn't won a title. Neither has Notre Dame's been basketball. But, hey, at least we're there. But the toast of the night, something I have been bitching about for a while... Muffet McGraw finally is honored and will be getting a statue. Thank God. I can't think of anyone else more important for basketball at the University of Notre Dame than this lady. A woman with grace, a woman with integrity, 
someone who knows a damn thing or two about basketball as well, has taken women's basketball to where it is at Notre Dame, where it rightfully deserves. Buffett McGraw deserves a statue more than anyone else on that campus right now. And good for her. Um, And uh, thank you, Notre Dame, for doing that. So to Muffet McGraw, cheers to you. That is it this week, everyone. Uh, Real high level on Catholics versus Cowboys. I told you it was going to be. We will get more into the nitty-gritty details of the numbers, the spreadsheets, comparing Notre Dame and Oklahoma State side-by-side, all right? So um, if you don't like the Dallas Cowboys, now is a really good time. If you uh, prefer science fiction movies uh, over cowboy movies, right, uh, go ahead and um, do that, right? This is like Buzz Lightyear over Woody. Okay, why are we talking about Toy Story? Uh, Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Again, check out the new store, Fighting Irish Faithful Gear on Etsy catholics versus cowboys shirt get it before the bowl game i've already ordered mine doc's getting hers in white mine is in black and uh hey get whatever you want uh so here we go go irish beat cowboys